Are you ready? How are you doing? It, we're never not blessed by infinite, perfect love. If we open our hearts to that, if we keep focusing on that, there's going to be a lot more smiles in our hearts and our lips. And you guys do such a great job with that. We're blessed by the best because it's about 9.50 and you're loved. And we just pray that love would continue to be the ground of our life, that it would animate us, that it would tell us what to do so that we can be in, in union with the love that, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. So 75 years ago, plus two days, this church was dedicated. It was over in the parish hall. That's where it came from. And in 1964, the year I was born, this church began here where we sit presently. So I, I think about all those wondrous years of God's grace working and healing and forgiving and protecting and showing the way. I am so blessed to be with you, such a joyful, loving community. And you know how I learned to be a priest? You. <laughs> so thank you for teaching me and helping me to grow more and more. I always say I, I know basically I know what love is, but basically I, I don't know most of it. I know what it means to be a priest, but mostly I, I don't. So I, I thank you for being that for me. Think about 75 years of, I was reflecting on this. I mean, just in one day, I love being a priest. I love ministering. One day, a sinner can be forgiven and experience eternal life in the sacrament of confession. How does it get better than that? That's just one five-minute, ten-minute section in a day, and it goes on and on and on. How wondrous God is in his mercy to pour out on us and, and show us the way in the sacraments of the church, giving us his body and blood every day. I love being a priest. I love being able to be a part of that. I know I am a wrecked, misguided, many times sinner that, that God would still continue to choose to, to use. And all, just think about all the grace that's been poured out here in 75 years. And you just know, and I just know, we know a sliver. I was having this conversation with God. I, I'm like, okay, when I get in heaven, are you going to tell me all about it? I want to hear about all it. Tell me all about it. Tell me every story. Tell me every heart that was touched and affected and filled with your love and your healing grace. Tell me about that. Or will I even care in heaven? Probably not. Probably not because it's going to be fullness. So that's my little human mind wanting to know everything. But maybe it will be revealed. But we're going to just talk a little bit about St. Charles Borromeo this day. Just a, what would I say? Just a stud. Stud saint. I mean, just a, a man. And inspiring for us all. And the word that came to mind when I thought about him was how he served assiduously. So that means with great care and perseverance. With great care and perseverance, St. Charles. Isn't it amazing how he gets down here every year? At this time of year. I think he just floats. And, you know, there he is. I hope you're my friend and, you know, I didn't offend you, St. Charles. But um, in 1576, what really grabbed the attention, I mean, he cared for the soul of the church. He started seminaries and just a church and Council Trent, Counter-Reformation. But what I want to focus on, in, in 1576, the bubonic plague came and all the, the governors and the civil leaders, they were fleeing town, they were afraid, and they were leaving everybody behind alone to die. That swept through 
for about 18 months, Milan and the 120,000 residents there. And what did Charles do? Not Charles. He did the exact opposite. He went right to the people. If there was, he, there's stories about him going up to a door that was barred because the infected were inside. You know what he'd do? He'd go get a, a ladder and get in the window to get to his people. He was involved in organizing and feeding, giving medical uh, treatment, and using his own funds. Actually, Charles was born into a lot of wealth and prestige and nobility, and he disowned that life. He disowned that life of luxury and pleasure and nobility for the sake of the gospel. And he was providing for all those that were suffering from the plague. He took out loans that would take several years to pay back. He begged, especially the rich cardinals in Rome, for money. He organized collections to help sustain the city. They say at the height of it, he was trying to feed 60 to 70,000 people a day during this. 60 to 70,000. He gave permission to all of his priests, some of who fled, some of them who really galvanized and were with him. He gave his priests to uh, hear confessions and give communion and baptize in the streets, wherever it was. That's what he, he wanted to, to be done so that they would have that life as they were going through and suffering and dying. He went right to the people and their need. He had the bells rang seven times a day for the city to pray for an end to the plague and to protect the people. Even when some priests were leaving, Charles went right into the center of disease and death. I quote St. Charles Borromeo, we have only one life, and we should spend it for Jesus and souls. Every day he went to the sick. He went to the peripheries, as Pope Francis has talked out so much about. Those that were pushed outside the city in these tents and shacks that were made for them, they were pushed out the city, left alone to die. Pierre Mignot, who is responsible for this picture, this, this French artist, talks about that, and this might be quite possibly one of those places of wooden or straw huts that were set up for those who were dying. It was called the Lazaretti, and that was for the people to care for the people. But they were literally outside the walls for the sick and dying. And here we see, you can look up at, I'm going to kind of explain what he's, he's doing here, but we see St. Charles placing the host on the lips of a sick woman. And in a sense, the whole painting rests and comes from this and is supported by this and pivots on this, this charity that he demonstrated and he encouraged others to have for each other. He has a scarlet robe. That means that he was a cardinal, but even more than being a cardinal, he was unconcerned for his own safety, forsaking himself, ready to die as a martyr to bring God to his people. Red is also associated with the virtue of charity, whereby we are set aflame with the fire of God's love. You see a, a woman up there that he's giving the communion to, and she has an infant who's collapsed, trying to receive her milk to suckle. In Catholic iconography, invariably a mother is feeding one or two or three children as a symbol of charity par excellence, the image of giving oneself. Thank you, moms. In his work, 
Mignal suggests that as human charity is dried up, St. Charles arrived bearing the greatest gift of love, the body of Christ. Note the images of reverence around the body of Christ. There's a man holding a cloth under the host. There's a Barnabite priest praying quietly, flanked by two acolytes bearing candles. There's a young man holding the bell to alert the beholder to the real presence. There's heavenly cherubs raining down graces on the scene. The God-man. Fully divine and fully human, bowing down to embrace and raise us up to eternal life. The humility of the Alpha and the Omega, who was and is and is to come, always below us, looking up to us in dignity. The God of the universe, below us in humility, lifting us up, giving us a life so beautiful, so glorious, that will not end. This, my friends, is the adoration of charity that we are called to. St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us.